Welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. Welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. My name is Victoria, and I will be your host on this galactic adventure through Star Wars, toys and collectibles, pop culture, and randomness from the 80s and 90s. So Dave, I got a question. What's up, Victoria? What do you do when it's over? I don't know. I'm going to leave a a hole in my heart or something. I don't know where we go from here. (laughs) Do do we really have to wait a whole other year to see what happens next? I know. I mean, this past year went fast, but, you know, looking ahead, a year is so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you think about it, you know, on one hand, 2020, crazy year, crazy year, and did pretty crazy too for me personally. Mm -hmm. But thinking about 2021, could it... Could it be better? I mean, if it's better, then maybe we'll have a whole lot of other positive experiences leading up to Mandalorian. (laughs) And that'll like end our year like an an even more awesome note. Is that a possibility? Uh I hope so. It can can only get better from here. You know, this year has been pretty terrible for everyone. So there's light light at the end of the (laughs) tunnel coming. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to mention if you watch my YouTube channel, you're probably aware of this. You follow me on social media, you're probably aware of this. But right now I'm on the mend from COVID-19. Um, so Dave, I know you're aware of this, Yeah. um, but you know, just want to put, put it out there that, uh, you know, this thing is real, this thing is spreading. Um, you know, we can do our best to avoid it, but you know, I, I felt like I was doing my best to avoid it and it still got me. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully I'm, um, you know, you know, almost two weeks, uh, with symptoms and I seem to be doing better. Um, you know, a little slow, but, but, you know, I'm doing better and, Good. uh, yeah, just wear your mask, uh, social distance, stay home. Um, yeah. Be safe. I mean, that's that's. I think that's the key thing right now is just you know being cognizant, being vigilant, and it sucks. But you know, I think we need to do what we have to do to to be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like to add. You know, we're recording remotely. Obviously, we're we're taking the proper precautions here, and um, just gotta say, personally, it's a it's a scary thing hearing when you're when you're one of your friends uh, comes down with it. I definitely uh, was thinking about you every day that you've been going through this. But yeah, I'm really I'm really glad to hear that you're doing better and that you you're going through this and being strong. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. So let's get right into it. Yeah. So The Mandalorian just ended and, for season two. And um, I think a lot of people everywhere, you know, we talk about this this show every now and then we regroup and we talk about the most recent episodes and we're always like on this emotional Star Wars high. Um, but I feel like like right now, like they took that high and they just like gave us the highest dose possible. And we're all mm-hmm. like, you know, just like floating yeah. right now. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, just to look back on this past year plus or so since the show has started, and how have we gotten here? We're, really, could I mean go back in time if we could tell ourselves this <laughs> series would end up where we are now? It, it would just be mind blowing, you know. Yeah. I mean, how did we get here? Right, this is amazing. <laughs> 
It is. I mean, I know we said last time, like, I, we almost feel like, how do we deserve Star Wars this good? Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's really like reinvigorated things for Star Wars, but also, you know, fans have, a lot of fans have rekindled their passion for, for the franchise. A lot of people are excited. It's brought in a lot of new mm-hmm. fans. I think that's like the really important thing to, to consider, you know, all, all the, the kids that are coming in because yeah. of Baby Yoda and, you know, lots of new people that don't really traditionally care about Star Wars. I mean, are talking about Star Wars. So, you know, I think that's, you know, we need that lifeblood to, to fuel, you know, Star Wars and the hobby is, you know, collecting and everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all great. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, as much as I loved and I, you loved the sequel trilogy, it definitely seemed a little stale at the, at the end there uh, with the enlarge in, in popular culture. And uh, Star Wars is back. I think I said that that last time. Um, and you know, we're collectors and stuff and I can start to see that. And what if I head to my local target, the, the star Wars aisle is bare. I'm seeing other people picking up black series, you know, <laughs> holiday troopers. I'm seeing all the plushes and everything. Star Wars just gone off the shelves now, <laughs> which is a good thing to see. Um, and just, you know, everyday people you see in your life, if you're wearing a star Wars shirt, they want to talk about Boba Fett or, or the Mandalorian. And it's just great that, uh, you know, there's no movie out now, but the talk of entertainment world right now is The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really here. It's really, you know, Star Wars is having its its huge moment in pop culture. And um, yeah, we're all here for it. We're excited about it. And, you know, like you said, the, the merchandise is flying off the stores. You yeah. know, earlier this year, there was tons and tons and tons of Baby Yoda stuff. People, people were like, well, yeah. it's six months late. Mm-hmm. And you know, this stuff's just going to sit on the shelves, but that's not true. This stuff is selling. People are buying Baby Yoda, and it's people of all mm-hmm. ages, too. Yeah, my, my kids are doing remote schooling right now, and I hear from my wife that uh, all the other kids in the class were talking about Star Wars every week in her class. So it's really permeated everywhere, all age groups, uh, new generations bringing into Star Wars right now, and it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we want to approach this? Do we want to start with the most recent? Is that what we did last time? Yeah, you want to go um, start in the, at the oldest episode and work towards the most recent? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Let's do the inverse right. this time. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, this was uh, this was the uh, tragedy. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I read some somebody online said when they saw that, they started thinking of Darth Plagueis, which I guess it's kind of hard not to. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I saw that in... The moment I saw that, my heart kind of sank. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like, you know, is Baby Yoda going to get eaten? Is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's going to happen? So, um, yeah, this is uh, this is, this is is the one where we got, like, a huge character reveal, like, that that we had kind of already seen uh, mm-hmm. earlier in the season. But this was, like, the first time that it was, like, bam, this guy that, mm-hmm. that has been a phantom throughout Star Wars history basically kind of is, he, he's he's actually a really big deal. And you're going to see why right now. Yeah, the, like you said, my heart sunk when I read that title. Um, but you know, they they get into it and stuff. And the moment that you see the Slave One come flying across the the sky, I knew what it was right away. I'm jumping out of my seat. My wife is going, "What? What's that?" And I'm like, "It's the Slave One." You know, <laughs> uh, you know it's coming. And just to see that and uh, Fennec Shand come back from the dead, um, it, it was awesome. You know, I never really was one that was a huge fan of Boba Fett. Um, you know, I always had. In my opinion, I thought people just thought he was a cool-looking character, but I think uh-huh. Mandalorian has brought me around um, to the character. They've, they did a good job um, developing him, him, you know, as the armored guy that you see, you know, alone from the um, the Clone Wars where we saw him as a as a kid. But yeah, it was exciting. 
Yeah. Um, I had the same reaction when I saw that ship and my husband was just like, I'm like, what's that? Like he said, that's a weird looking <laughs> ship, I think is what he said. Uh-huh. And uh, I always thought the slave one looked like an iron, you know, like iron mm-hmm. clothes. Um, but it, uh, yeah, like I've always liked been a Boba Fett fan. Like I, I think for the reasons that you mentioned, just the, the design I thought was always really cool. Uh, of course, um, designed by Joe Johnston, who, you know, went on to direct Jurassic Park 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I just, I don't know, I was always just drawn to like his mysteriousness, just kind of like, you know, we never saw his face in the original trilogy. He barely spoke. Um, and then, of course, we get his backstory, you know, in the prequels. Uh, and we learn a little bit more about him. But, you know, that that's kind of the extent of it. Like, we, we, we never really, like, got him fleshed out. A little bit in the Clone Wars, yeah, but mm-hmm. not as, like, the adult bounty hunter Boba Fett. And I think that's one of the things that um, was pretty surreal, you know, to actually, after all this time, when you think about it, like, 40 years since the Empire Strikes Back, uh, finally get this guy, like, on screen doing, um, like, some really badass stuff and just yeah. kind of kicking ass, and it was... It was really surreal. It really was surreal. Yeah, I just like that fight scene was was awesome. Just seeing him with what he could do without his armor and seeing what a, a skilled warrior he is. Um, he really took it to those stormtroopers with those gaffy sticks. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm around. I'm on board with the character now. Um, I was always more of a Django Fett guy, I guess. I, I just don't know why. I just n- never really connected with Boba Fett. But now that we spent probably more time than we ever have with him. Um, yeah. on this show I, I'm on board now and I, I'm really excited for you know reveals that we'll get to later on in the show totally and I think it was just so smart for them to show how how lethal he is without the suit because the suit you know historically that's always been like oh you know he's awesome because of the suit and all the things it can do but then or you know at least all the things you think in your head that it can do mm-hmm. um, but for them to show actually like show him just be like lethal without it and then get the suit like it just like really amped up like his awesome factor for me Oh yeah, <laughs> and um, bringing in back Fennec Shand—that uh, was a real uh, talk of the of the town. That they wasted character um, that she was in in the first season in uh, chapter five, um, but seeing her uh, coming back, it was that was a real cool reveal. Also, yeah, yeah, her uh, her robotic innards. Um, yeah, so I do wonder if we ever get a figure of her if, if she's going to have like a removable panel that'll show her robotic intestines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope it's from. It's going to be from the second season here. Um, definitely got to include a helmet with it or not. But uh, yeah, so far it seems like some of the the figures we've gotten in um, vintage collection and black series haven't all been from the same season. But right. yeah, down for. I want all the characters if I can. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> no, no. And it, it was great to see her back. And I think you know her pairing with Boba is just. It just it just works really well. I love seeing them together. Cool. Um, yeah. So this was also an interesting one because you know you know Grogu is is uh ahsoka said go to tython go to the sing stone and you know he can choose his own path so this is weird because we've never seen anything like this in star wars either um you know every once in a while mando brings in the more mythological parts of star wars into the series you know the, mm-hmm. the force the jedi and uh this was something that you know we've never seen like before like in the films i know clone wars and rebels have done some pretty crazy things in terms of the mythology of it mm-hmm. but to see like that sing stone in live action and just like the force field around Grogu was was really interesting. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, and I think we had thought that maybe there would be another side mission episode in between here, and we get <clears throat> right to uh, him, you know, trying to contact the the other Jedi, and that that was surprising that we just 
this season it, it seemed like it's more to the point than last season. There were definitely more detours, I think, in the first season. Um, but yeah, getting to see that and I was unsure if, if Grogu would even be able to do it. You know, and when the Mando turns his back and uh, we look and see that that uh, the force around him, uh, that was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, really, really neat visual effect there. Um, uh, there was a little bit of plot armor, I felt like, with the thing with the the rocket pack. You know, that's mm-hmm. like, that's the one thing Boba asked him to remove was the rocket <laughs> pack. So he removes the rocket pack and I guess he just doesn't think like when he needs to go to Grogu, like to put it back on or he, I, he misplaces it. Like, I just felt that was a little convenient, but, um, yeah, yeah, it was, I agree with him asking him to take it off, but, um, I don't know. He's a, he's a father now. He's worried about his kid and I know how crazy that can be. And you're not thinking clearly. I've yeah. had some incidents as a father. I know where he's coming from. <laughs> right on. Well, that's, that's good perspective to have. Um, yeah, uh, and then in come the uh, the Empire, in come the Dark Troopers, and mm-hmm. this is kind of our first time seeing the Death Troopers in action. Uh, so these guys are, I mean, you know, John Favreau obviously at the helm of the Mandalorian. I mean, this was so Iron Man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, they were really cool. Um, you know, they're scary. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's that's, you know, they're not just like like robotic stormtroopers. They're like. I mean, you look at them and they're really like scary. Like, you know, you just get a, like a scary feeling like looking at them. Yeah, so. they're sleek and they're black and, and they're scary. And I didn't really know a whole lot about them before this. This is my introduction to uh, those uh, uh, troopers and stuff. But did you were you familiar with them? I knew of Dark Troopers because mm-hmm. of the toys. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's really the only and I knew of the Dark Forces video game, but it wasn't anything I ever like played. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I had figures of Dark Troopers. So I think that was kind of really the only way that I was familiar with them. But they didn't look anything like this, these mm-hmm. ones. Well, I, I appreciate bringing all the Star Wars stuff into this episode, uh, into the series, because I mean, I don't know everything about Star Wars. I don't, I didn't know about the uh, Death or the Dark Troopers before this. Um, things I didn't know about, like the the crate Dragon Pearl and things. That's cool. I'm I'm learning from this series as well. <laughs> yeah. I know it's just that's one of the cool things too is that a lot of the little little pieces that they're bringing in are just so obscure. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. that pearl that you mentioned, like in the in the crate dragon, like. I didn't. I didn't know what that was. Like, I it wasn't until after I was started reading reviews and people were saying, "Oh, that's actually from this other, you know, mm-hmm. thing." So, yeah, no, that's that's a really cool thing. I mean, that's attention to detail right there. When you you know you worry about those little things that very few people are even going to have a connection to. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's those it's things like that that really speak a lot to the passion of of um, you know Dave Filoni and John Favreau and you know everybody who's in charge of realizing the Mandalorian. So. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to see the next season of the gallery and just to see everything they did with the, with the story and the special effects and things that we get into uh, later on. But I, I mean, will we ever know if this is a lot of the the story group um, throwing these things in there, or is uh, Dave Filoni really that much of a, of a <laughs> Star Wars nerd that he just knows everything? But either any way they get it done, it, it's got something for everyone. I think I've said that every time we record, but yeah, again, it just needs to be said. There's something in this series for every Star Wars fan. Yeah, and I think the gallery starts uh, this week, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. On Friday, I believe. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to seeing that too. I, I thought the last, uh, the first season was um, was pretty insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just listening to all the people involved in their process of you know bringing Mandalorian to life, and you know, I, I'd really like to see what what they were thinking uh, when, when creating season two, because there's a lot of good, good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, basically uh, 
at this point in the episode, uh, Grogu gets kidnapped. Uh, and um, this is pretty, pretty cool. Like we saw Boba Fett back in the slave one and he's pursuing uh, the dark troopers and he's like, oh yeah, it's, it's the, you know, the empire. And um, I, I kind of liked that Boba didn't abandon um, Mando, like, you know, he, he said, you know, we're going to get your kid back. You know, you, we're, we're in your debt until that happens. And, you know, well, of course he got his armor back from, from the Razor Crest before mm-hmm. it, uh, yes. uh, went to spaceship heaven. <laughs> yeah. Let's not skip over that. That to me, I think was the tragedy. And, and you, you've seen the memes <laughs> with the, uh, Hasbro pulse fires yes. screaming out, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't grab one, but, uh, I felt for, for you and everyone else <laughs> lost a lot in this episode <laughs> yeah it's you know i'm not like too mad about it it's mm-hmm. i know some people are kind of a little mad about it. i don't you know it's we still got a lot of the razor crest featured in the show and you know it's still mm-hmm. always gonna be there you know like like those episodes are still always gonna be there and it's still mando's like ship right so yeah i'm still gonna happily have it on my shelf with all the figures so you know blown up or not whatever the sail barge blew up Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I still love my sail barge, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many uh, figures of or vehicles and stuff that aren't around anymore? I got the one of Luke's uh, land speeders, and he only had that for a little bit. And, yeah, if you love it, you love it. And I'm, I'm glad yeah. everyone got it, and it looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really exciting stuff. Um, all right. So should we move into uh, the... Uh, chapter 15, The Believer, would be the next episode. Um, this was the one that featured heavily with uh, Mayfeld, bringing back Bill Burr. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the previous episode, um, the, uh, you know, of course, Amanda goes back to Navarro with um, Boba and uh, Fennec Shand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he tells Cardoon, you know, I, I need to get Mayfeld. I need to spring him out of prison. And I was kind of, you know, in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, oh, man, why? <laughs> like, why? Um, but the truth is, like, I really liked him in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I really liked him. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't um, the the annoying, like, guy that he was in, in the, the last season. Like, he actually, like, you know, we, we actually got to see, like, his perspective and you know the things that he dealt through dealt with as as an imperial and you know i think that that really like not only did that make him like endearing to me but it also it also kind of like really fleshed out the other perspective the imperial perspective a bit mm-hmm. so i thought that was a pretty wise way to handle this episode no i really the last three episodes of this second season i thought Maybe they're not like epic, like maybe the the middle and the beginning of this season was, you know, aside from the last episode. But um, yeah, there was a lot of character growth, and it was great to see Mayfeld kind of away from the the, the rough crew that he was. Maybe he was putting on some sort of tough guy front or something. Yeah. Um, and you know, one on one, just you know, almost like a buddy cops or something, you know, in, in a <laughs> in a tank. Um, yeah, and, and just really opening up and seeing that he does have a soft side, that he, he cares, that he's not the guy that we saw before. You know, maybe his time uh, in the scrapyards there reformed him a little bit or whatever. We just get to see the real him. But yeah, he, he did a much better job, and the the performance was definitely much better than, than the first time we saw him. Yeah, yeah, that's um, no, that's that's a good way to put it. It, it was neat to see. Uh, I think, you know, this, this planet, I kind of felt it, it reminded me a lot of 
uh, from the Rise of Skywalker, you know, where they had the rebel base. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Was, I kind of felt like it was the same. I, I don't think it is, but I just felt like they looked exactly the same, basically. Like a I got planet. big, like, Scarif vibes. Like, I just felt like I was back in Rogue One with all the uh, Rogue One troopers again that we see, shore troopers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, like, jungle-ish looking kind of planet. I know it wasn't the same, but um, that was the same tank right that uh Jin Erso was in in, in uh, Rogue One no no it was different no it wasn't okay a little bit little bit different very yeah. similar uh the one from Rogue One was the um the uh, the turbo tank the one that we've seen in Revenge of the Sith okay and then this one uh very similar like with the with the wheels and everything but um yeah very similar but a little bit a little bit different um but either way I mean obviously a callback mm-hmm. uh and like you said all the troopers like we can't we can't we can't forget all these troopers because you know you had Death Star gunners, you had stormtroopers, mm-hmm. you had like the the hover tank uh, combat assault tank pilots drivers, um, you had the the shore troopers like you said, mm-hmm. um, you had the uh, I mean, you you had all kinds of troopers and it was just I think tie pilots so yeah um, you know it was just like a mix of of kind of like greatest hits of all the imperial like like. Uh, types that you've seen throughout throughout uh, the Star Wars saga, and you know particularly the Disney Star Wars saga, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know I, I love that. I mean, that's to me that's like oh, oh toys, like you know that's the first <laughs> thing I thought about toys. Yeah, uh, this to me it also does a lot to to build the galaxy more in this time period that we're on because I was under the impression that almost all the um, Imperials had had left, you know, after the Battle of Jakku. And mm-hmm. to see, you know, what Moff Gideon is doing and to see this base that's just like a secret base that is still thriving, you know, very strongly uh, as the Empire, it, it's cool to see that there is a lot more to these remnants than was we were first led to believe, you know, back in Season 1. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, in Season 1, we just thought, oh, you know, it's just like the client with his, mm-hmm. like, four, like, <laughs> stormtroopers. But then season then at the end of the you know that season um you know you get moff gideon and all his guys his platoon of troopers and then this season you realize oh well even on navarro there was another outpost with you know a bunch of troopers and yeah and then you see you know moff gideon's um his uh his cruiser in this season you know with his officers and his dark troopers and all that and then you even get like you know, like you're saying like this planet that has this hidden base that's been hidden there all along and mayfeld knows about it because he was a trooper but nobody else is aware that you know this is even going on um so yeah like the the imperial remnant is 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 more than i think you know we imagined it would be like after return of the jedi after season one so it's just you know just kind of getting to explore that a little bit more i think it's fascinating for one but it's also like you said, really interesting that the Imperials are are this powerful after all this time. Yeah, and then there's so much going on in, in the galaxy now, and you know we think we know what's going on between episodes, but really we don't. Yeah, and I think um, you know a lot of people have highlighted the scene with um, Mayfeld talking to his his former um, what was he, he was like kind of like a former like squad leader or something, right? Yeah, I think he said it was his leader. That's uh, Valen Hess, I believe, right? I didn't. Okay kind of just yeah. looking it up here now but um yeah he had a great performance that that officer um just the the way that he spoke and the way it, w- it was delivered and stuff and the confrontation with uh mando there where he had to remove his helmet to get the uh, coordinates to moff gideon's ship uh-huh. um just showed how far the the character of mando has come dinjarin 
Um, you know, that he's at the point where he's got to, you know, break his code. It sets together everything that we've been hearing this season where he's been challenged um, about, you know, the way that he's living his life, the way that he follows the the Mandalorian code and what he would do to to get back something that's really important to him. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, You know, it was, you know, really, really cool, uh, really cool scene. And um, you know, I think, you know, the more we see Pedro Pascal on Mast, I think is, mm-hmm. is not anything to complain about. So, <laughs> yeah, I just wish my uh, Black Series figure looked a little bit more like Pedro Pascal. <laughs> Looks like he came yeah. back from the dentist or something and his teeth pulled. <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree with you there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was um, really good stuff, really cool stuff. And I, I mean, I kind of love too how like Mayfield was like, you know, he, you know, he's still kind of the tough guy. He still said, oh, well, you know, the kind of, he kind of hinted they had to die because, you know, they never saw your face. So, mm-hmm. um, so, but you know, he, I like that he didn't really make a big deal about it. He just kind of left it at that. He didn't like, mm-hmm. you know, for all the, for all the fuss he made about the, the taking off his helmet in, in the last season and mm-hmm. this season, like once it actually happened, like he just didn't really make a thing out of it. So I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I've known people like that in my life that like Mayfeld that rely on comedy to get through. And when he's around uh, everyone else on the Razor Crest back in the last season, he was uh, mocking the wearing of the helmet and stuff with his Gungan impersonation and stuff. But we, we see he's a sweet guy. He's looking out for, for Amanda, you know, no matter what he believes in, he's got his back at this moment. So that was cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, at the end, they basically let Mayfeld go. I kind of thought they were going to take him with them, like kind of recruit him into their mm-hmm. little cause, but you know, they just kind of let him go. So maybe we'll see him next season. Maybe, maybe not, but um, you know, it was interesting to have him back for a little bit, I guess at the, at the very end of everything. Yeah. Let's not skip over the, um, the slave one making another appearance at the end of this episode here, uh, bailing him out with those tie fighters and that sonic charge. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> saw that canister i just uh-huh. like inside i just like like squealed in myself like i was like oh my god oh my god i know what's gonna happen and then when it actually happened i was like just like ugh, took me back to 2002 yeah i think i was i was caught up in it and i kind of didn't know what was happening right away um maybe it's because I'm, I'm thinking Django fat i guess i didn't make the, the connection when i heard that sound effect i was like whoa that's cool and, and that's when it took me back uh to uh, attack of the clones but yeah that, that was really cool yeah, that was um, that was awesome. Um, yeah, Slave One coming in to save the day. Very reminiscent too of Mando saving the day in um, uh, earlier in the season mm-hmm. uh, when you know he went back to Navarro and uh, you know they were in pursuit. The Tie Fighters were in pursuit of the uh, uh, I don't even know what vehicle you would call that. It was kind of like you know the tank. Yeah, the new the troop tank. transport or whatever it the was. The troop it transport, was, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, kind of similar to that, but now it's Boba that's c- kind of coming in to save the day at the last minute. So, um, yeah, no, that was all, all really cool action in, in that episode, you know, just like with the troopers and the TIE fighters, the slave one and, you know, just all, just the whole thing of it. Like when you think about it, you know, just it's like we said at the beginning of this, like if, if you, w- you would have thought like when this all began that we'd have this kind of a fight with, you know, TIE fighters against the slave one with against this assortment of, of troopers and like Mandalorian like in disguise mm-hmm. and you know like it just you know I, I never would have would have thought that it, it could get to that but you know here we are yeah <laughs> there's there's so much here and um I'm glad we we had where we do with uh Boba Fett because it was worrying me a little bit here that he, he's putting on a chauffeur hat flying everyone around the galaxy here but 
we're we're getting to a cool place uh, with Boba Fett, and it's coming up here in the in the next episode. Yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, I think we should also mention that um, Boba got uh, he went to the to the uh, armor polishing mm-hmm. uh, depot somewhere <laughs> and uh, got a new new. Uh, I don't know if he just like, cleaned off his armor. He got a new uh, spray of paint on it, but uh, he's he's looking pretty darn good. Yeah, maybe all Mandalorians have spray cans like Sabine or something, and he just fixed it up, touched <laughs> it up or something. I don't know, but I like the the matte finish, and it looked cool. And, and yeah, it looks really, really cool, really cool. Um, so you know, if if Hasbro's going to give us those figures, you know, come on, get to it. Uh, there's a <laughs> uh, there's you know, we need all the variants. We need all the variants. I'm mm-hmm. Not going to complain one bit. So you know what? I I just kind of realized. I know I'm kind of you know maybe it's a little bit of a tangent, but um. That Imperial officer that we're talking about, um, Mayfeld's superior, his mm-hmm. former superior, yeah. he was in Batman Begins. I just like, oh, reali- okay. I just had that realization. He was Joe Chill. He was the one that killed uh, Bruce Wayne's That's parents. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I looked him up then, and he was also the, the Ice King on Game of Thrones, right? Really? Yeah. For maybe one season or so, and then they recast him. Huh. But yeah, there's a lot that's, of cool connections <laughs> here crazy. with other things that we're into. I totally didn't realize that. That's um, the Night King. The Night King? Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Yeah, maybe I say Ice King. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yes. that's that's rad. That's rad. Yeah. Um, Which Batman was that that he was in? Is that Batman Begins or was that um, the Ben yeah. Affleck Batman's? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was the Christian Bale Batman Begins. Yeah, they all blur um, together since there's always a a scene where he loses his parents at the beginning of like every Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I, oh, you know, I love that, that series, the Nolan mm-hmm. Batman series. Oh, yeah. It's the best. Um, anyway, so, uh, I guess that takes us into the season finale, doesn't it? Yeah, we have episode, or chapter 16, The Rescue. It's the, uh, final episode of the second season here. Um, we start off with, uh, Slave One chasing an Imperial transport, uh, shooting out, and it turns out to be they're chasing, um, some pilots, uh, shuttling Dr. Pershing around. Uh huh. Yeah, this was a, a, you know, every time we go into this, uh, these new episodes, you know, you, you kind of wonder, how's it going to start? How's it going to start? What's the first thing we're going to see? Mm-hmm. And this one, they just got straight to the action. It was a slave one pursuing the um, Lambda Imperial class shuttle. And I don't think we've seen one of these shuttles in, I'm trying to remember the last, the last time we saw it. And I, th- I know we had it in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think. I think in Rogue One we saw that it, saw it as well, but it's been used pretty sparingly, like so far. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in Rebels it, a bunch, weren't they? Yeah, in the animation they did yeah, use it in but Rebels. Not in live action. I think it was a very variant of of the Imperial shuttle, but mm-hmm. yeah, seeing it in live action was um, like actually seeing it like in action in action. You know what I mean? Like in battle, like was yeah. was something new. So mm-hmm. I liked that a lot. Yeah, and I really appreciate the um, coming in on an adventure already in progress. Um, you know, it's a very Star Wars way to do something that we're, we don't know how they found them, but they're they're tailing them, <laughs> and we're right into the battle as the episode starts off. Yeah, and it wasn't really like, I mean, I thought about it afterward, and I was like, it's not really important that we know how they found it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if they knew where Moff Gideon was, you know, it probably isn't too hard to track down the shuttle. Yeah. You know, maybe they were just like following it or something, but um, yeah, this was... Pretty neat, and you know, again, another moment to get a glimpse inside the mind of, uh, of an imperial officer or pilot, and you know, kind of just see what their, you know, get their two cents on the situation mm-hmm. is, and 
Um, I think that's cool because, you know, we really didn't get that in the original trilogy. You know, they were just the good guys and the bad guys, right? So, Yeah, and it's nice to see even the pilots themselves aren't on the same page. You know, the, the ones yeah. are saying, I don't even know this guy. Look, let's work something out. And the other one is obviously out for blood, just murders his, his comrade, his friend there. And yeah. he turns out to be a real bad dude, really taunting uh, Cara Dune. And again, we're we're looking more into the the depth of the Star Wars uh, history here. We're talking about Alderaan. We're talking about Death Stars, and how many people died. Just really talking about that, you know, for the, the first time ever. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, that was, uh, you know, pretty pretty tense that moment there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then uh, another interesting thing is the way they they've been kind of handling like the logo, like the Mandalorian, right after you know these opening moments. Uh, and then, you know, the music's been different the last couple episodes. Did you notice that too? Uh, I didn't notice the logo, but the, the, the theme song not being there. The music, was right. Pretty, yeah. Music's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this, uh, the rescue. So, you know, like in your mind, you know, you're starting to get ready. Oh my God. You know, this is, this is it. You know, they're, they're going to go after Moff Gideon. This is the whole season l- leading up to this moment. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, it's, it was, uh, it was exciting. Uh, I think, um. I think the first thing that happens after this is they go to this unmentioned, unnamed planet, right? With the smokestacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we see a familiar ship uh, parked outside a, a bar, or some sort of cantina. Yeah. There's there's so many cantinas in Mando. Have you noticed <laughs> that? Like, so yeah. Many. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is Bogotan's ship, and we saw it. I think the last time we saw it on screen was in um, uh, season seven, Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, this is the first time we've seen it in live action. So uh, I thought that was really exciting. Like, you know, just like it's one of just those little things that you think about. It's like, oh, shoot. Like there like there it is, like in, in live action. That's, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my emotions are just so high when I watch these on Friday mornings and stuff like that. And I knew that I should recognize the ship. But then I'm kind of trying to pay attention. I'm like, I know that ship. What, what is what's going on? You know, <laughs> not just <laughs> as you can tell from today, I'm not so great with the, the ships you knowing everything about them. But I knew I should know it. And then when I saw Bo-Katan, I'm like, OK, OK, and I'm here. I'm I caught up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always thought those ships were really neat in Clone Wars, like just mm-hmm. the way like the wings fold up. And I think Darth Maul had one, too, in Rebels, didn't he? A very similar uh, vehicle. I don't remember to tell you the truth. Yeah, I think yeah. it was it was kind of like it was one of those same style um ships, I believe. Um but um yeah, no, so you know, here's Bogotan again and Costco Reeves, you know, I didn't I didn't know that we were gonna see him again this season. Um mm-hmm. so I thought Bogotan was really cool in the last uh, episode oh, that yeah. she was featured in. So uh, and of course a lot of history with, with that character, you know, if you follow the animation and everything. So um you know, really cool to see her back, and uh, you know, a little, little bit of a tense moment there, though, with Boba coming into play. Yeah, it was cool to see. Um, maybe we weren't lied to in um, Clone Wars. Then we heard the backstory of Boba Fett and Jango Fett. Um, again, she calls him, you know, not a Mandalorian right after she hears his voice, and I guess she puts two and two together that that he's, uh, you know, a clone of Jango Fett. Um, so we see there's some wiggle room there. Is Boba Fett Mandalorian is he not I guess it depends on your point of view and where what part of the Mandalore you come from but yeah and then the fight and just seeing him you know it's noticed everybody leaves after the fight happens and the place clears out pretty fast um yeah. and we get you know more into you know what happened with the the siege of Mandalore like she says um she does say that they were all Mandalorians and that if they fought you know half as hard as they did right here that they wouldn't have lost right yeah 
Uh, it was a cool little, cool little battle of, um, and they, they seem to be pretty evenly matched also. So, you know, for all the awesome mm-hmm. stuff Boba did in the last few episodes, like, you know, he's not the only one out there that's, you know, that has mm-hmm. these uh, capabilities, basically any sort of, uh, you know, like Mandalorian or, you know, even like you're saying, like, is, is Boba Mandalorian, you know, he's, he's pretty evenly matched here. So. Yeah. And how cool is that, that, Mandalorians are so rare and you see two Mandalorians walk into a cantina to confront two other Mandalorians and <laughs> <laughs> yeah good point um yeah that was that was that was really cool um so yeah so basically uh I think Din Djarin says oh yeah they got the kid and you know that's basically all he needs to tell anybody right and they're like okay mm-hmm. let's go get him yeah. um so you know, that was that. And, you know, of course, they formulated their plan at this point with Dr. Pershing. And he's kind of just, I, you know, I like Dr. Pershing, even in the first season. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. he was like a bad guy. I just felt he was like, kind of like, like um, Galen or so, you yeah. know, he's just kind yes, of like yeah. being forced to do stuff he doesn't really want to do. Um, So I kind of wonder what happened to him because we didn't really see after this scene. But um, yeah, uh, I it assume was, maybe he's back with the rebellion or the new Republic now. Yeah, um, probably interrogating him and. You know, I don't know who knows, but um, yeah, no. So to formulate their plan, this isn't a plan that we we've. I think we've seen this in Star Wars before. I mean, you're basically you know pretend you're an Imperial and infiltrate the Imperial mm-hmm. base, the Death Star, the uh, whatever. You know, uh, we've seen this in the films. We've seen it in uh, the animation quite a bit. Um, basically, the same thing here. It's just you know they're using the the shuttle um, to kind of you know make a play at. Uh, getting access to Moff Gideon's cruiser. Um, yeah, I'm really glad that Dr. Pershing was there. Um, I think in this moment we see a, a little bit more depth into where Bo-Katan is at this moment. Um, earlier in the season, it just seems like she knew everything about everything. She's got it all figured out. And we see that she probably was greatly misunderestimating Moff Gideon and the size of his forces and stuff. And they definitely mm-hmm. uh, get a lot of uh, knowledge from Dr. Pershing and it makes their, their plan go better and smoother. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. He had a lot of insight to uh, to give. Now, during this little, uh, this fake pursuit, I kind of felt like Moff Gideon was going to kind of just like kind of stop it before they got into the, into the, into his, his mm-hmm. cruiser and, and they were going to have to make a new plan. But I don't know. I don't know if he fell for it or, or if he, I don't know. I just kind of felt like, you know, we talked about like convenience a little bit earlier. I just kind of felt like this was another one of those moments that was a little bit convenient Mm-hmm. Um, cause I don't know. I just kind of felt like he was going to be like, it's a trap or, you know, it's, 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 it's not real or something. Yeah. Maybe he's not like as smart as let's say a, a Thrawn or something. Maybe he <laughs> relies more on, um, you know, he's got the dark saber. He maybe overestimates how brilliant he is. Um, he always, you know, he has no allegiance to anyone, any of his men. We saw uh, at the first season, he just kills as many stormtroopers of his as he wants. And, yeah. you know, he sort of leaves the bridge, everyone for dead um but yeah you know that's that was i was surprised too that that light cruiser is a, a lot smaller than you think it would be seeing yeah. that the tie fighters and, and the, the shuttle going in how small that that launch bay was um but yeah yeah it's definitely not like a star destroyer it's mm-hmm. like like maybe like the tier below that or something you know it's mm-hmm. smaller but it's still a new uh still a new vehicle we haven't seen before and still something that's obviously pretty big because you know <laughs> yeah um but yeah, no, it was a, you know, neat moment. Of course, you know the the action. Like once they they come out of the cruiser and, uh, you know, storm battling with stormtroopers. We've seen that plenty of times. Mm-hmm. This um, 
the season, right? And the stormtroopers are always kind of just not really a threat. They're just kind of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do they even wear that armor, right? <laughs> yeah. Just I getting know. blasted. But a really cool moment here, and halfway through, I realized that we were watching an all-female, um, you know, characters going in and just owning the ship and just taking it all down. Which, um, mm-hmm. you know, conveniently they left the the male Mandalorian from earlier in the season off this mission or something. But that was a really cool moment. You know, we went from yeah. in the original trilogy having what two women in the entire galaxy to to now the <laughs> the main focus of this uh, party here is four women just you know mowing everyone down yeah it was great and i mean it was done too like pretty tactfully it wasn't like you know when you watch like like um infinity war or Endgame, uh-huh. yeah. like you know it's it's you know they really they really call attention to it it was just kind of like it just was what it was you know in this episode um yeah I, uh, like i said i didn't even i didn't even notice it wasn't like they stopped them were like all right girls you ready you yeah. know it just happened <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah, no, it was really cool to see. It 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 truly was like you know just like when you know just going along the the via, you know the cruiser mm-hmm. and just kind of taking out the troopers, getting to the bridge. You know, eventually they got there, of course. Um, yeah, that was that was awesome. I uh, you know really appreciated the whole um, you know all that action and of course Mando going on his own little mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, oh man, we got to talk about this fight between him and, and Gideon. Yeah, that was so cool. Um, just to show you again the depravity of this character Moff Gideon he's standing over uh, Grogu with the dark saber and just wait the way he waves it over his head just taunting is sick you know um and then just you didn't know if you could trust him or not and again again he tries to just trick Mandalorian um and just starts fighting and you find out that this was part of his plan all along I guess he must have come up with this I know from the seat of his pants as soon as he realized what was happening from the bridge to just, you know, sacrifice everyone on his ship as long as he can get out. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it's, you're right, he's, you know, he's pretty ruthless. Uh, he doesn't care about, you know, if he needs to kill him, He, you mm-hmm. know, as we see later in the episode, but um, it was, it was brutal, just like that. And he's like, oh, okay, take him, you know, you know, I'll just go my way, you go yours. And then mm-hmm. just Mando, I don't think, know that Mando fell for it per se, but I think he... He was kind of giving the benefit of the doubt in that moment. Um, but just like the way that like Gideon unleashed on him was just freaking brutal. Like, the yeah, do you think he like planned to be killed or something? Cause like he had to, he has to know, he knows a lot. Um, he has to know that the Beskar is going to stop it. And it just seemed like he was just attacking everything Beskar on uh Mandalorian there. He was going, hitting his helmet. It's hitting any piece of armor when he could have, you know, maybe strike them somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like he, I mean, I, I don't see why he would have not wanted to kill him. So I don't know if Mando's just so well wrapped in Beskar mm-hmm. that, you know, he just couldn't get a good shot because, you know, Mando was moving too. So maybe he he tried to go for more vulnerable areas, but just couldn't get them because Mando was like moving his body and blocking. But um, uh, yeah, this fight was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing them go, I, I didn't think we were going to get this in this episode. Like, I, I kind of thought they were saving Gideon for Bo-Katan. And obviously, I think that's, you know, kind of what people, pro- mm-hmm. it probably just wasn't just me. But um, the whole thing of the Darksaber, you know, like earlier in the episode, she built it up. I need to get the Darksaber back. I need I need Gideon to surrender to me. And um, so just to see them go, like, at it like this, I thought was was unexpected. But it was also just really well choreographed just the whole mm-hmm. like fight was just really in- like really intriguing 
It was, yeah, there was tension in it. Um, I didn't know if the Beskar was going to fail the way it was it was heating up there. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, real savage and primal the way they were just, you know, going at each other. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was unclear. Is this a, like a happy accident the way the, the plan turned at the end of the fight? That um, he obviously knew a lot more than Din Djarin about what the history behind this Darksaber was. Um, yeah. But yeah, we find out that you know, Din Djarin, obviously, you know, this is the way. Maybe it doesn't teach him everything about Mandalorian culture. He doesn't know a whole lot about the Darksaber or, you know, right. what's going on with the, the factions and how to unite Mandalore. But um, you can just see the, you know, the the grin that Moff Gideon has when he knows that what has happened, you know, and just to the, when they go back to the bridge is yeah, well acted. And <laughs> it, it is interesting. And I know that um, uh, Mando is is part of death watch right they're the ones that rescued him when he was a kid and yeah so he, he is he's obviously oblivious to a lot of a lot of things but um i kind of feel like at the same time like moff gideon's almost a little bit like thrawn in that he you know thrawn was very like mm -hmm. interested in like the culture cultures of the galaxy you know yeah um like we see i feel like we see this a lot with gideon too like he just like like he's he's just really brushed up on his mandalorian history and mm -hmm. You know, he obviously knew everybody's name at the end of the, the first season. Like, he knew who everybody was. Like, you know, he's just, he seems like he's on top of, generally on top of, uh, like, knowing his enemies, I guess. Or, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it is interesting because you're right. I mean, when you, when you think about it, like, Mando doesn't, you know, he, he's such like, a, like, he's more of almost like a Mandalorian than like, in the sense of, being just so by the book like or at least he was earlier in the season than like bo katan you know they're talking about him not taking his helmet off things mm -hmm. like that but at the same time he doesn't know things like the dark saber he doesn't know about like it almost sounds like he didn't really even know about the state of like mandalore the planet like no. earlier in the season I, yeah so. and i'm thinking maybe that's going to be something in later seasons that they address with uh, mandalore but yeah, he doesn't even know who Bo-Katan is. You know, you think there would have been history there with the uh, the people that raised him and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there was some sort of purge of what was going on, just trying to build this, you know, religion, the sect of this religion up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's questions there that, that not everything makes sense. I'm sure it will in time. Could have been like a similar purge maybe of, um, of information, kind of like what you saw with the Empire, trying to get mm -hmm. rid of information about the Jedi and... You know, just like trying to kind of erase, like, you know, yeah. kind of indoctrinate everybody, like, you know, to be pro-imperial. Yeah, and they did lose everything. So maybe that's just a, a casualty of, of the of the purge of the war that, yeah. you know, another generation has come up now and just doesn't have access to, you know. Right. There's no Internet in Star Wars or anything. You know, they don't have this <laughs> information. So. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so I guess this uh, this takes us to. To the bridge, um, uh, Mando de defeats Gideon, and you know, like we said, this fight was epic. It was, it was just like visually stunning. Um, and um, this is, I think, where things start to really like heat up and get, you know, I mean, as, as interesting as they already mm -hmm. were, like they they really start to get interesting in these yeah. these moments. This was very interesting. Um, we wondered how Bo-Katan lost the dark saber. She was gifted it from Sabine at the end of yeah. Rebels that we had last seen. Uh, Bo-Katan and it may, may, first reaction was why can't she just take it she that's how she got it the first time but I guess you know hearing what Moff Gideon has to say I guess it kind of seems like maybe her claim to it wasn't legitimate when she did have it 
maybe that's why she mm. lost it or maybe she gave it away or yeah. something. Uh, but she yeah. is not happy when it comes on. No. You can see, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I've been reading what other people have been saying online. And like, I mean, when Sabine got it, uh, I don't think she, she didn't get it in combat, right? She found it like in malls, like, like, yeah, she got Ezra it from... found it, um, okay. stole it from malls collection. Um, and then, uh, they brought it back to the ghost. And then I guess it had ended up in, uh, Kanan's hands. And then they decided to give it to Sabine and Sabine didn't really want to lead Mandalore. And so she gifted it to, um, Bo-Katan and she, uh, took up, you know, the mantle of the, of the leadership. And that's where that storyline left, left off. Okay. So maybe because Sabine didn't get in combat, you know, she had the, uh, she had, I don't know, the right to give it to whoever she wanted. She gave it to Bo-Katan who didn't need to win it in battle because Sabine didn't win it in battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then she lost it. So she had to maybe, I, maybe in battle. I don't, I don't know. know either. I don't know if what we saw in rebels was legitimate or not. You know, I think that's a, a question to be answered later. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the thing of it is that you do have to win it in battle if you lost it, but if you <laughs> lost it and you know, you didn't win it in battle. I don't know, or maybe her, I'm not sure if I've thought of this myself, or maybe I read something that maybe her claim was never legitimate, and that she was unable to unite Mandalore because they did not see her as legitimately possessing the Darksaber. Mm, Yeah, that's a possibility, too. Um, There's just a lot we don't know, and I assume that, you know, with the next season, and as they continue to flesh this out, we'll learn more about the situation, but um, I I think you're right, it kind of feels like Bogotan just didn't she thought she was going to have it easy i guess like she was you know she didn't she she got handed the saber easily and she was going to get it back pretty easily but then it turns out that's not the case so there's a lot more complexity here and you know stuff that needs to be dealt with later but um yeah it is interesting it is interesting yeah there was a lot there in those few seconds you know and and (laughs) moff gideon took quite the delight in the predicament they were in (laughs) yeah yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was that was that was a great, 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 uh, some great moments there. Um, and then okay, this is where the dark troopers come back, and you know we kind of glossed over, I guess, mm-hmm. the the impact of fighting a dark trooper one on one for somebody like Dinjarin, and that was not easy for him to uh, to do. Oh man, that was uh, that was a fight in itself too, and seeing how strong Beskar is, that you can punch a helmet through a wall. And it still holds up. It, <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. And then you think back to Attack of the Clones when the when the Slave One d- ramp door hits um, Django's helmet and it leaves mm-hmm. that little dent. So okay, yeah, is that how he gets the dent? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's how he got the dent. And the only reason they did that was because you know Boba had the dent on the helmet. So I guess Lucas thought it needed to be explained in Attack of the Clones. But are we clear that uh, Django Fett's armor was Beskar? Or I think I've heard it's, what is it, Doris Steel or something else it was called in Legends or something? Yeah, I think Doris Steel. I don't know if that's what the Dark Troopers are made of, but okay. yeah, it's it's probably, you know, one of the hardest uh, metals next to like Beskar. Um, yeah, so we're in, I think we're in murky area here now. If he's actually has Beskar armor for Boba Fett or not. But yeah, that, I wondered the same thing too. I'm like, how did he get that dent? You know, if, if you can yeah. punch it through a wall and then the helmet's fine. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, but did you get Terminator vibes from that moment? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was, 
right this is multiple times i think i've mentioned it before when we've discussed uh there's a lot of terminator stuff that i feel like callbacks whether it be music or just even the way that the the robots moved in this and everything but yeah it was like you know seeing the um the terminator at the end of the first one you know just like pulling at the door open or, or going after her. but yeah yeah I, I definitely thought that not to mention michael bain too earlier in the season but mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this, they, like I said, these dark troopers were scary and, you know, he barely like survived his encounter with, with the one, you know, he found the weak spot eventually, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just kind of makes you wonder how, what didn't happen next, you know, in, 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 in the show happened, you know, probably all would have died, I guess. Yeah. So, so this us, is the um, moment here where, yeah. where all hope is lost and Moff Gideon is taking delight in, at where they're at in this predicament here. And it looks like they're just going to be obliterated by an entire squadron of the uh, Dark Troopers uh, when we get an alert and a X-Wing just kind of flies by and Cara Dune kind of brushes it off. But I think any uh, anyone who's been a Star Wars fan for multiple decades you know, knows what's, what's about to happen. You mean Trapper Wolf's going to come and save the day? Yes, of course. Trapper Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this was great. Like, as soon as, like, the X-Wing, like, she, as soon as, you know, I didn't think about it at first, but if, when she said, oh, great, when X-Wing, we're all saved. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I kind of thought, well, oh, yeah, I mean, of course it's only one X-Wing. And then, you know, you look at it on the monitor and, I, like, Luke's X-Wing, like, Red 5 has, like, a gap in, like, the red stripe on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I caught that, like when, when they showed it on the monitor and like, I knew instantly like, okay, that's Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. I was like, you know, are they going to toy with us? Is it going to be somebody else in Luke's X-Wing maybe, or is it not Luke's X-Wing and mm-hmm. you know, just something else? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's another Imperial that's like sneaking in. I, you know, you just don't really know. I, I thought it was right away, you know, the X-Wing in just as recently as last year has come back big way with uh, rise of Skywalker. Um, you yeah. know, I didn't catch those details. I'm not as detail oriented as you, but I figured maybe it was cause you knew probably a Jedi was, was coming, but it just reveal after reveal. And I still couldn't believe it. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's his cloak. Is that, is that really him? Is that really him? And I saw his, his belt. And I'm like, is that really him? Is it him? And then you see the, the green uh, lightsaber and the hilt. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's yeah. And then I wasn't sure where they were going to go with it. You know, is this going to be like a over the shot, um, uh, over the shoulder shot? You know, where it was just kind of like, yeah, that, yeah, that's Luke Skywalker from behind. But the way it was revealed and just wow, emotional. I I was tearing up a little bit. Um, you know, this whole end scene. I look over, my wife was crying. It's just <laughs> it's so impactful. Um, and again, when you step back and looking at where these characters are in this universe, um, nobody knows who Luke Skywalker is, uh, maybe Moff Gideon did, but you know, they are rare, far and few between. They don't even ask him his name. Just ask, are you Jedi? Um, I don't know. What, what do you want to speak to anything how you felt in, in this scene here? There's just so much I could go on and on. And <laughs> There's so much <laughs> since, since you bring up Moff Gideon, let me just, I got a shout out Giancarlo Esposito's reaction to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, uh, like learning that, you know, like who's here. Um, his it's glee just melts away into all out fear terror. and it le- leads me to think that maybe everyone in the empire knows of Luke Skywalker when he hears that a, the Jedi is coming and you know probably the only Jedi they've ever heard of and it's just like oh no what happened to yeah. our emperor you know yeah he's he's terrified like mm-hmm. uh, I think the guy deserves an Emmy based on that reaction alone <laughs> like just 
like, and yeah, you got to be thinking if if Gideon knows who this is, and you know, it's, it's clear to me he does. He says, you know, assume I know everything. You know, mm-hmm. I I think he knows who's who's coming. This is the guy that blew up the first Death Star. This is the guy that had uh, a huge hand in obviously bringing down the second Death Star. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that they think is responsible for killing their emperor, for killing Darth Vader. And he's here in these these desperate last moments uh, in this in this battle. Um, what's going to happen next? So, you know, Gideon's got to be thinking all these things. And um, I mean, his terror is justified. So there's that. But I also, you know, like everything you said, like, like when I saw him from behind with the cape and the lightsaber and like my heart was just like pounding. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, is it the COVID or is it the show? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But yeah. I know it was the show. The show just got me like so like on edge. I was like in tears and I was like, I told my husband, I was like, do you know who that is? And he said, he says, look Skywalker, right? Like, you know, you and my husband, who's not a huge Star Wars fan. He like, mm-hmm. he knew. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I was in tears. Like I was just like, this was like, and it was just so special, just the way they handled it, just, mm-hmm. you know, just like actually making that happen. And, and, you know, it's not so much for me that it's like, it's like, it didn't feel forced, you know, like it made sense that it was Luke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, with Grogu going up to the Sing Stone and reaching out. I mean, who's the one Jedi that's out there trying to find students, you know, in this yeah. time period? Who's who's the one Jedi that that is a fully fledged Jedi at this point? Yeah, it, it's it, it just it just makes sense. I mean, it wouldn't make sense for it to be um, uh, Ezra. I mean, Ezra at this mm-hmm. point, I think is still lost out in space, according to what Dave Filoni has been hinting at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, Ahsoka didn't want the responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it just make to me, it just made sense that it would be Luke. And uh, just the emotional impact of that, I think was for me and it sounds like for you too you know it was just so heavy hitting and to me it doesn't it doesn't really you know people might say oh it's convenient or you know it's just yeah it's 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 luke and but i mean i feel like like it doesn't the details of that don't really matter to me like if you lose that emotional impact by by making it somebody else then i mean what does it really matter at that point you know it's like Mm -hmm. it matters because it's luke you know, you feel that way because it's Luke. You feel that way because there's that history of this character that you you loved and grew up with and looked up to for, you know, all the, all this time. And, you know, to see him, like, come in and, like, save all these people you've been following the last two seasons and demonstrate, you know, why he's Luke Skywalker. I just, I thought that the whole thing was just so special and it just, like, really left me with yeah. an impact. No, you're right. And I think the last time we spoke, I had mentioned something that I had hoped it wouldn't be Luke Skywalker. I was kind of hoping for an Ezra or someone. But everything you said is right. It had to be Luke or there's just too many questions with the story. Um, and, you know, and I was afraid, I think, as a fan that you go, what happened the last time we had uh, Luke Skywalker in a, in a movie was so divisive and stuff. And, you know, some people loved it. Some people didn't like it. Um, I personally liked it a lot and I know people that really, really hate it, but they did it in a way I think it's almost universally loved. Um, and it paid tribute to, you know, as being a lifelong star Wars fan, just so many things in there. He moved like Anakin. Um, there was, you know, to me, it it felt like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan fighting battle droids in episode one. Um, it just, the, the way it moved, um, I've always wanted to see that, um, you know, after when I was a kid and there was only the original trilogy, 
uh, and I didn't read the books or anything, but I had friends in school who read the now legends books and I would ask them, you know, what happened to Luke Skywalker after return of the Jedi? And, you know, so many things in this series, you know, with Boba Fett, if it's Luke Skywalker, you know, we're getting closure and we're getting the story moving on, you know, from episode six, all these decades later. And again, they did it the right way and it looked good and it was amazing how it came together and how they were able to use Mark Hamill. But, um, yeah, what else can you say? You know, <laughs> we could do a whole show <laughs> just on this scene. I know it was epic, like for all the reasons that you've outlined as well. I mean, just you're right. I mean, just the way he moved, you know, just like so reminiscent of Anakin, like taking down the separatists, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, of course, the Rogue One thing. I'm sure you've seen the Rogue One comparison mm-hmm. with Vader, you know, just like, you know, very similar like beats, like, you know, throughout the choreography and um, yeah. And then when you finally like when he puts his lightsaber on his belt and then he like lifts his hood down and he's just like all calm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just Wow. It's wonderful, you know, and I uh, we have uh, friends and stuff who or other people just what might call it just a glorified cameo or something. But, you know, as, as you said, it had to be him. And I think a lot of the, the legacy characters that in that are in the Mandalorian, it had to be them. It makes sense. It's not just a, you know, a glorified cameo with like a Ponda Baba or something in Rogue One that didn't really need to be there. Um, you know, it makes sense with the story. And, it, and that's why it's emotional and impactful to us. Totally. And another thing, too, that occurred to me was, you know, you know, Yoda uh, did the the bulk of Luke's training, like, you know, on mm-hmm. Dagobah. And when you when you see, like, you think about Vader saying, you know, the circle is now complete. And you see that at that, that last moment where he's holding a baby of Yoda species. Yeah. And, um, you know, with R2 and, and then the, it just kind of ends right there. Like, it just mm-hmm. like, it just kind of like, you know, brings that into, it closes that circle. And, you know, now Luke is going to pass on what, you know, you presume Luke's going to pass on what he's learned to help, you know, train, teach this, um, you know, Grogu. So it just, um, you know, really poetic. And I just think the whole thing, like, just tied together the season so, so well. And um, just left me very happy as a Star Wars fan. Yeah, um, this new format that we're, we're doing, we're not taking any notes or anything, just kind of speaking from the heart. And the I did write down one thing. To me, um, Star Wars is about family, about found family. And I think this whole yeah. ending scene it is, is what Star Wars has always been, whether it's uh, Luke Skywalker losing his aunt and uncle and joining the Rebellion and Han and Leia or his found family, uh, whether it's Obi-Wan and Anakin, you know, uh, that they, they find each other through the, the Jedi Order and that they are brothers. Um, or even in the sequel trilogy, you know, Ray has no point in the story, you know, until the end and her family that she chooses to become a Skywalker at the end or, you know, chooses, uh, your friendship with, with Poe and Finn. Um, that was what, what it was all about. You know, we have Din Djarin again, his found family of being a Mandalorian and he just is kind of going about his thing being a, um, a bounty hunter or whatever. And at the end, just getting that beautiful reveal where he takes off his helmet to show that, that he's grown as a character, that he's changed and the love that he has for this found child, that's just now his son. And, and like what, what you just said about, um, Luke, you know, and the, and the Jedi order and his family is the, the Jedi and stuff now. And the ties between whatever the species is for Yoda and Grogu and just seeing that. And it just, everything just came together at, at a head there that just, this was star Wars to me, the way this ended beautifully stated dave <laughs> like, yeah that's um 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I agree. I mean, it's it's about the found family. I mean, whether you even before you know that Leia and Luke are, are siblings, you know, that just that camaraderie you see in at the end of a new hope and empire, you know, and when our when our, you know, the big three are together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like and you know, even extending like you're saying the sequel trilogy, you know, people fight coming together, you know, mm-hmm. for for common um causes because they believe certain things they have they share the same morals they i mean you're right that's 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 star wars that's what it's all about and i think even in the real world that's really what it's all about i mean you know we can't help where where we're born who are you know who our family is but mm-hmm. you know we can choose the things that we decide to do with with our experiences we mm-hmm. can choose um you know who we are friends with we can we can choose the 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 things that you know we want to do you know we, we find people like that and we we find those families and you know i think that's what it's all about and you know it's you're you're right i mean that's it's it's all about finding finding what it is that's special to you and 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 you know living 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 that living through mm-hmm. that and um yeah i love that i think that's that's very beautifully stated yeah yeah I, I, that's just what it's always been to me you know and, and we all as fans we get hung up on who's actually related who's a, a palpatine or who's a skywalker or whatnot but when it, when, it, when it comes down to it it's about the relationships that these characters have with each other and that's why i think this was beautifully written you know it really comes from the heart of a star wars fan and they really they prove that they get it the way that this these two seasons ended yeah totally I mean, very well said. I, I don't have anything to uh, <laughs> to add to that. Wow. Um, yeah. I guess I just want to say that you know, season two was was freaking incredible. Um, you know, I know we we talk about little nitpick things that we notice. You know, and you know, I I could you know we got to talk about the end scene still. By the mm-hmm. way, the end credit scene. But um, yeah, there's uh, I think as a whole, you know, it's just done so much for Star Wars that. Um, we haven't quite seen in a long time. And I think, you know, that's why a lot of, it's really, re, you know, uh, resounding with a lot of people and, you know, why, you know, everybody's latching onto, especially, you know, like you're, you were saying earlier, you know, 2020, tough year, tough times, but then we have this Star Wars to help keep us going and to keep us strong and to keep us happy. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still, I'm sorry, I'm still hung up on that scene, you know, I just rewatched it again today. <laughs> yeah, I gotta watch it again, too. I've seen it, I've seen, as soon as I finished the episode, I was like, I gotta watch it again. And yeah. I did, so I saw it twice, but, um, yeah, uh, anything you want to add about, like, um, you know, obviously the emotional impact is, I don't think it takes away from it, but do you want to talk in a bit about how they brought Mark Hamill back, or... Um, I, I don't really know, and I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm excited to see what they say in the gallery series, but um, it was like for me, like ninety, ninety-five percent of the way there. Um, I just, I'm glad that I'm living, that I'm alive in this time <laughs> period, because if they did this ten years ago, before streaming services, before the um, deep fake technology, I guess you want to call it, um, it would not have been possible. We might get something along the lines of um, what comes to mind is like a, a CW series like Supergirl where they talked about Superman and it was just kind of, you know, <laughs> that first reveal like, oh, here's uh, Luke Skywalker and there's the shoulder. See, that's him. So yeah. I'm really appreciative that we can get something as close to a 1983, 1985 Mark Hamill and that it looks as good. And yeah, it's not perfect, but I'm just, that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's... um. It will be interesting to see once that uh, gallery episode 
comes out where they're talking about that because I'm really eager and curious about it. But um, it's also that Mark Hamill was involved. I mean, you know, obviously he's responsible mm-hmm. for this, bringing this character to life, you know, way back in the day. And the fact that he still he still uh, has a role in 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 Luke Skywalker's continued history, I think, is 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 awesome. Um, so maybe he'll be on that episode and we'll get to hear a little bit of his uh, his perspective. I'm excited to hear it too because I I would like to also hear uh, address some of the rumors that I think cannot be believed now based on where this season ended up. Uh, talking about the Pedro Pascal rumors and the Mark Hamill rumors about how they're so fed up and done with Star Wars and you know there was that thing going around where Mark Hamill had written a goodbye letter to Star Wars and obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. You're right. Um, so post credit scene, tell us a little bit about what happens, uh, after the credits roll. Well, I was kind of walking away and I just let it play and I didn't, no idea they were going to do this like Marvel or something, which it was odd. They didn't have the, um, you know, the concept art at the end. It was completely different from beginning to end, like you said. Um, but man, when that pops up, the, I'm like, oh my God, that's Tatooine, you know, right away. <laughs> oh, that's Jabba's palace. And you go in there and we see Bib Fortuna, you know, all living at large now, <laughs> And, literally yeah and they come down and i'm and i just and it was predictable but i loved it and i thought that it would be boba fett coming down there with you know fennec sham and i think it did such justice to the to the character of boba fett because you know him to be a scoundrel um the way the, the child version of him was portrayed in clone wars he was vile and just not you know <laughs> just disgusting annoying little kid and you know he's hanging out with the scum and the villainy and the evilness and stuff and he was so nice in, in in this and it just seemed off and he was like basically like I said a, a glorified chauffeur and he just went right back to business and that's exactly what Boba Fett should do and I'm so excited to see that we're going to get a book of Boba Fett was revealed at the end of this post credit scene coming uh, this time next year Christmas time 2021 yeah it's, it was yeah that, that shot of um, Jabba's palace I was like no way I was like yeah. really like how can that be and like you know they take you inside the java's palace and i just like you know as a kid i adored you know those moments in in uh, return of the jedi just like you know all the aliens and all that stuff you know so that's my favorite stuff when it comes to star mm-hmm. wars and um <laughs> we're in there in java's palace after all this time and um yeah it was just another moment that was pretty surreal and you know the gamorian guards look pretty awful i thought <laughs> but um you know, you kind of just overlook those details. The fact mm-hmm. that you're in Jabba's palace and Bib Fortuna. I'm like, mm-hmm. really? Like Bib Fortuna? Um, he's here, I wasn't so. sure that it was him at first. I'm like, he's very big, but it looks like him. Is that him? <laughs> yeah, it didn't sound like him either too much. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the, the end credits say Bib Fortuna. So um, played by Matthew Wood, who, you know, of course, has been sound designer for these films for a long time. Mm. But um yeah, no, it was it was a great moment, and just like the way he gets like taken out, like Boba's like you know he's, he's back to, like you're saying back to business, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's obviously Boba's progressed it seems like since Return of the Jedi, like you know he's he he was helping Mando, but he's still Boba Fett, right? He still mm-hmm. has things he's got to deal with, you know, he's still got business to take care of, and you know, just he just kind of like walks in there like a boss and just like takes Bib Fortuna out and takes his throne, and it's just like just like something out of a comic book, like just that yeah. last moment shot i think you mentioned in the in the last episode it's nice to just be back on tatooine and if that's where we're going uh, give me more of it give me these the the crime the scum 
um, Boba Fett. You know, I think there's going to be a lot there for to get real excited about. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for that. If if we get us, if this series is is like the scum and villainy aspect of Star Wars, like I think it's going to be awesome. Now, um, I when I first saw this, assumed that this would be a second series running. And I think a lot of people assume that. But as I kept thinking about this all day long on Friday, um, I've heard other people say it since. Do you think that the Mandalorian takes a detour and goes and tells the story of now Boba Fett is the Mandalore that we follow for season three? Um, I mean, that kind of I could I, I mean, I, I understand the logic behind that, but I think I really think it's a different uh, I think it's a limited series is what it sounds mm-hmm. like from what I've gathered. So. I think it's something separate. I think we're still going to get Mandalorian proper around the same time next year. And then this is going to be like... I hope we do. You know, there's a lot, yeah. a lot there to, to see what uh, Din Djarin does, Bo-Katan does. Um, but yeah, it's in the, uh, I guess we're going to get two series at the same time is what it sounds like now until we get uh, an official confirmation from Lucasfilm or Disney. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because, you know, they, all the series that they announced like last week, you know, there were tons and tons and tons of new Star Wars series that are um that are coming out um mm-hmm. and you know this was something they just kind of saved for this re- last reveal here at the very end so yeah i assume we'll we'll get uh, details on that pretty soon I, I can't imagine they'll go too long without you know expounding on you know yeah. what you know what the book of boba fett is exactly maybe they're going to give it a, a week or so until everyone stream the the show to preserve the reveal before they go announcing yeah that would exactly it's going to happen yeah but yeah, um, this was yeah. a fun one to discuss. Um, man, you know, this was probably better than any. These two seasons were probably better than any movie we've gotten yeah. in a long time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Star Wars seems to be back on track. Um, like, like you said, there's a lot coming. We've got 10 uh, episodes or 10 series on streaming on Disney Plus in the next five years, I believe they said. So, yeah, it looks like wow. this is where Star Wars is going to be for at least the next two years until 2023. So, yeah, yeah we started off with this first show, you know, great, you know, and hopefully these characters continue on this show. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if these other series are every bit as good as Mando's been, I mean, I think they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little worried that it's it's this many this quickly, but, I mean, as long as as long as it's they're of the caliber that Mando has been on every level, you know, the, um, special effects, the acting, the, uh, you know, the writing. And I, I know that, you know, some things aren't always perfect, but Mm -hmm. as I think as long as these shows are in the same caliber as Mando, you know, on on the whole, I think, you know, we're going to be okay. And they're going to, they're going to do just fine. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are just, it's star Wars, you know, um, it's a very family oriented ordeal for me. My whole family gets up on Friday morning and we watch the new episode. Mm-hmm. So I understand. And there's definitely criticisms to be had with, with the writing. It's not, they're not going to win an Oscar for, for star Wars for, for anything other than maybe sound effects and sound design and special effects, you know, but it's, it's going to be, a, it's a nice, well-written story that all ages can, you know, my six year old can sit there and know what's going on. And, you know, 40, 50 year old people that were young when the original trilogy come out can sit there and understand what's going on. So I think they're, they're doing it right. And maybe with some of these other series, you know, we'll get some stuff that dives deeper into a, a character study or something, you know, in this big galaxy or whatever. But yeah, the criticisms people have, it's it's right. But I think it sat well with me and with you in the end. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good way to, to say it. I mean, it's, it's been very accessible to people of all ages. It's um, been appealing to people of all ages. And, you know, it's a series like this is, you know, pretty easy to follow. You know, Star Wars is very vast uh, in terms of all the films, in terms of all the jumping around in the different timelines, in terms of all the animation and, you know, the games, the comics, the books. But uh, a series like this, you know, pretty le- linear and, you know, it's familiar yet fresh. Uh, and it incorporates, you know, some of the best elements that, um, you know, when they make sense, you know, that people and fans love. So, uh, you know, very successful on all fronts. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with uh, season three. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, Dave, it's been a blast. Thank you for uh, recapping The Mandalorian with us. Um, looking forward to doing this again next year when we uh, come upon season three. Um, in the meantime, where can our listeners go to find you online? Oh, I'm on Instagram under Jurassic Dave 93, uh, Twitter, same handle Jurassic Dave 93. And you just want to message me or comment on any of my pictures or anything. And we'll have a discussion about anything at all that you want. I'm happy and open to talk to anybody about anything you might be interested in and that we talk about here that we talk about on Twitter or whatnot. But yeah, I, I look forward to these, uh, conversations. It's, such a great way to, to end the year and to just talk about star wars and all come together and just have a good time so thanks so much victoria of course thank you really appreciate your insight uh final cantina chatter episode of 2020 all right yeah. and uh yeah good stuff so thank you my friend and uh looking forward to our conversations in 2021 all right take care that's a wrap for this episode. Victoria's Cantina began on YouTube and you can find plenty of toy content on the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel. We are also on Instagram showcasing toy photography at Victoria's Cantina as well as Facebook at Victoria's Cantina and on Twitter ranting and raving about toys and other nonsense at Vic's Cantina. For fun and random toy clips follow us on TikTok at Victoria's Cantina. Got a question or something you'd like to share with us? Drop us a line in the fax machine. You can email victoriascantina at yahoo.com. If you are so inclined and wish to drop a coin in the tip jar, we are on Patreon where you can gain greater access to the channel while helping to keep the content rolling. For VC branded merchandise such as t-shirts, ball caps, mugs, and other fun stuff, visit us on Teespring and TeePublic. Links to all of these magical places can be found in the show notes. Do you got a minute or two? If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and drop a brief review explaining why you enjoy the show. As always, I'm Victoria, and no matter where you're listening out in the galaxy, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. Podcast.